Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod, and I am alone this morning, but that doesn't mean the news stops. Chris, unfortunately, could not join us today, but let's jump in. We've got a lot to talk about this morning, so let's not waste any time. Starting off with the weather headed into this week, as we always do. In Los Angeles, California, today it will be partly cloudy and 87 degrees. In Houston, Texas, it'll be mostly clear with a high of 98 in Chicago, Illinois, it'll be clear with a high of 94, and in New York City today, it will be partly cloudy with a high of 80 degrees. So, overall, what I'm seeing here, just fit very warm. <laughs> very warm all the way around. Interesting, though, Chicago is going to be warmer than uh, Los Angeles. That's not something you can say every day. Um, but no, it really is warm. It's crazy. Although, over here... Where I'm at, yesterday, it didn't even hit 70 degrees, or hardly hit 70 anyway. We were just about, like, just touching 70 degrees. Same with Saturday. Like, it, it hasn't been nearly as warm here as, say, Houston, Los Angeles, Chicago, etc., etc. Um, you know, the heat wave that's been washing over the rest of the country, it seems, hasn't quite made it up here. And I... Don't know whether I like that, dislike that, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but let's not, you know, dilly-dally any further. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's jump right in. Starting off with day three of the January 6th House Committee hearings. So Thursday marked the third hearing from the January 6th House Select Committee. And the committee turned to yet another point of focus in this hearing, this time dialing in on the pressure Vice President Mike Pence was under to overturn the election results. The committee first showed the clip of Pence talking about how he had no right to overturn the results of the election. This week, that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. The most prominent witness we heard from during this hearing was Greg Jacob, one of Pence's closest legal advisors. He started off by talking about how Vice President Pence had been introduced to the idea of using his power to reject the vote during the joint session or to decide that President Trump had won the election outright. Jacob said that this was not an idea that Pence was okay with, saying that no one person could hold this power. The first time that I had a conversation with the Vice President about the 12th Amendment and the Electoral Count Act was in early December, around December 7th. Uh, the Vice President called me over to his West Wing office and told me that he had been seeing and reading things that suggested that he had a significant role to play uh, on January 6th uh, in announcing the outcome of the election. I told the Vice President that I could put a memo together for him overnight that would explain the applicable rules. But the Vice President's first instinct when he heard this theory was that there was no way that our framers, who abhorred concentrated power, who had broken away from the tyranny of George III, would ever have put one person, particularly not a person who had a direct interest in the outcome, because they were on the ticket for the election in a role to have decisive uh, 
uh, impact on the outcome of the election. Jacob also explained that there were no examples in history of a vice president trying to wield that kind of power, and if that kind of power did exist, it almost certainly would have been used by now. And critically, no vice president in 230 years of history had ever claimed to have that kind of authority, hadn't claimed authority to reject electoral votes, had not claimed authority to return electoral votes back to the states. In the entire history of the United States, not once had a joint session ever returned electoral votes back to the states to be counted. And again, part of my discussion with Mr. Eastman was, if you were right, don't you think Al Gore might have liked to have known in 2000 that he had authority to just declare himself president of the United States? Did you think that the Democrat lawyers just didn't think of this very obvious quirk that he could use to do that? A lot of the pressure that Pence received to reject or suspend the vote came from members of President Trump's team, and perhaps most so from John Eastman, a lawyer on that team. And all we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at 1 o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this so we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. Jacob explained how Eastman knew that Pence didn't have this power, knew that this power didn't exist, but continued to lay on the pressure anyway. John, back in 2000, you weren't jumping up and saying Al Gore had this authority to do that. You would not want Kamala Harris to be able to exercise that kind of authority in 2024 when I hope Republicans will win the election, and I know you hope that too, John. And he said, absolutely. Al Gore did not have a basis to do it in 2000. Kamala Harris shouldn't be able to do it in 2024, but I think you should do it today. Jacob also talked about how Eastman continued to push the idea of Pence rejecting or suspending the vote all the way up until the evening before the joint session on January 6th. Later that day, uh, he pivoted back to, well, we hear you loud and clear, you're not going to reject um, but remember last night, I said that there was this more prudent course where you could just send it back to the states. Would you be willing to do that? On the day of the Capitol attack, President Trump called out Vice President Pence through a tweet for not overturning the election, even though he knew that the attack had started with former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows warning him about it before that point. We received testimony that the President's Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was notified of the violence at the Capitol by 2 p.m., and likely earlier. The testimony further establishes that Mr. Meadows quickly informed the president and that he did so before the president issued his 2.24 p.m. tweet criticizing Vice President Pence for not having, quote, courage to do what needed to be done. We also got to hear about some of the communications that happened between Jacob and Eastman during the riot. You hit send on an email to John Eastman explaining why his legal theory about the vice president's role was wrong. You ended your email by stating that, quote, thanks to your bullshit, we are now under siege. And Dr. Eastman replied, and this is hard to believe, but his reply back to you was, the siege is because you, and your boss, presumably referring to the Vice President of the United States, did not do what was necessary to allow this to be aired in a public way so the American people can see for themselves what happened. 
Eastman even tried to get Pence to suspend the vote after the riot had subsided, but Vice President Pence carried on and certified the vote, declaring President Biden the winner of the 2020 election. This brought us to the end of Thursday's hearing, with the total length standing at about 2 hours and 45 minutes. Now we turn to the hearings coming up this week. There will be one tomorrow at 1 o'clock p.m., with another on Thursday at the same time, with no news on when the delayed hearing from last week will be held. It is also worth noting that former President Trump has reportedly been tuning in for these hearings and has released a fact sheet arguing against everything that has been said thus far. Kids between the ages of 6 months and 5 years are one step closer to their own COVID-19 vaccine option. The FDA Independent Advisory Panel amended emergency use authorization for both Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines to now include the youngest kids throughout the country. The vote was unanimous after weighing the risks and rewards. Generally, COVID-19 is less severe in kids than in adults, but hospitalizations in kids under 5 did increase during the Omicron wave. Pfizer's vaccine is three doses for kids ages 6 months to 5 years, while Moderna's vaccine is two doses for kids 6 months to 6 years. Both are obviously much smaller in dosage than the adult version. Later in the week, the FDA commissioner officially approved the amended emergency use authorizations and sent them along to the CDC where they are waiting to be approved by the CDC. The White House is anticipating that this could happen by the end of the week, which means parents could have the option to vaccinate their youngest children very, very soon. In a move to hopefully get this sky-high inflation under control, the Federal Reserve officially raised the interest rates by three-quarters of a percent on Wednesday. That's the largest single increase since 1994. Fed Chair Jay Powell says this won't be the last increase either. Powell said it's possible that more interest rate increases could be coming this year. The Fed is confident that these raised hikes in 2022 will get inflation back down to normal by 2023. We've reported many times in the past that the biggest tool that the Fed has to fight inflation is interest rates. Interest rates determine the cost to borrow money for individuals and for businesses, whether that's a car loan, your credit card rate, your variable rate, mortgage, or certain private loans. When interest rates are low, money is cheap to borrow, like it's been for several years now. And that gives lots of people and businesses the ability to spend, stimulating the economy. But all that spending can lead to too much money in circulation and an increase in inflation. Lots of economists believe that the Fed is too late in trying to address this inflation problem and say that they should have started raising interest rates last year. The Fed chair said again on Wednesday that he believes they can bring this inflation down without driving the economy into a recession. They used the term soft landing. Whether that's true or not, we'll have to wait and see. You also need to remember there are a lot of other factors that contribute to inflation that the federal chair has no control over. This includes complications from the pandemic, the supply chain, global market, gasoline prices, and food supply, all of which are in flux right now. So again, we'll have to wait and see exactly what the effect is using these interest rate increases, but right now the continuing hope is that they will be effective in driving that inflation down. 
the largest manufacturer of baby formula in the United States has shut down production yet again. Abbott Nutrition announced their Sturgis plant is closed again as a result of severe weather and flooding on a Monday in Michigan. That means that the company has stopped producing its L-Care specialty formula. The announcement also said Abbott has, quote, ample existing supply of L-Care and most of its specialty and metabolic formula to meet the needs for these products until new product is available, end quote. Abbott said in June it produced 8.7 million pounds of infant formula, which is 95% of what it produced in January before the plant was shut down by the FDA for, quote, unsanitary conditions, end quote, and led to the baby formula shortage. The FDA commissioner released a statement saying they are aware of the Abbott shutdown and said, quote, I want to reassure consumers of the all-love government work. To increase supply means we'll have more than enough product to meet current demands, end quote. He also said other producers are continuing to make formula at higher than average rates, and the FDA will be flexible in the importing of additional formula when needed. Abbott said they are working to re-sanitize the Michigan plant and restart production. Though no official restart date has been given, the FDA says in the coming weeks, once Abbott assesses the damage, they will report its progress and the FDA will send inspectors back to the plant to ensure they can restart producing quote safe and quality products quickly the president is taking on states who he says are targeting the lgbtq plus community by announcing he will sign an executive order to deal with several issues during this pride month this order is lengthy and includes a lot, so I'm just going to highlight a few things here. It condemns so-called, quote, conversion therapy and orders several government departments to take action. The Department of Health and Human Services will create an initiative to reduce the risk of youth exposure to so-called conversion therapy and to clarify that federally funded programs cannot offer therapy like that. The Federal Trade Commission will consider whether conversion therapy would consider as an unfair deceptive quote act or practice and if so slap a consumer warning on it and the state department and treasury department along with hhs will develop an action plan to promote an end to the therapy around the world and ensure u.s foreign aid money does not fund the practice the president will order HHS to work with states to promote expanded access to gender-affirming care. HHS will address LGBTQ plus suicide by expanding youth access to suicide prevention resources and will issue new guidance for LGBTQ plus youth mental health care. The order also targets more than 300 state laws passed in just the last year that the president says target transgender children and their parents by banning access to medical care and support at school. The president will order the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Education to release sample policies for states on how to expand comprehensive health care for LGBTQ plus patients and how to achieve full inclusion at school. Now getting into rapid news, for the first time since 2020, Bitcoin has fallen to under $20,000, and by a 2 to 1 margin, an Apple store in Baltimore, Maryland has become the first of the company's US stores to unionize. Now getting into good news for today, and I, this is such a heartwarming story, and just showing that companies, you know, 
can really, really care about their customers and um, the people that they serve. So Chewy, who is an online pet food company, will actually give recognition and you know try to lift the spirits of people who have lost their pets. So an example of this was a woman who had lost her dog Gus and asked Chewy if she could return a bag of unused dog food. And the response she got from them was something that she never expected. First, they refunded her the total amount for the food. Secondly, they told her to donate the food to the local animal shelter so that they could have it instead. And lastly, they sent her a bouquet of flowers with a handwritten note signed by the person that she had spoken to originally when trying to return the food. And apparently this happens a lot with Chewy. They love to send things like this and to help in any way they can when someone has lost their pet. Another person had talked about how they received a painting of their dog who had passed away from Chewy. So just an example of a company taking care of their customers and recognizing that losing a pet is such a hard time. It's such a hard time. And they want to show that they genuinely care about that and they genuinely care about how tough it is to lose a pet. So to deliver things like flowers or a painting of that person's dog that they had just lost, just such a heartwarming gesture. And, you know, you have to say it. That's customer service to an outrageously wonderful degree. You know, they could just issue a simple apology. They could just do something that's not heartfelt or not, like, personal. But to go as far as to send handwritten notes, flowers, or, in, you know, the one case, a painting. A painting of the person's dog. That is just absolutely wonderful and absolutely just heartwarming. And... You know it has to make the pain just a little bit easier. A little bit easier. It obviously doesn't make it disappear or won't like cut through it entirely. But just to have that simple gesture, that nice little gesture from a company that they got, you know, pet food from. It's just so, so nice to see. Um, I absolutely love this story. I, I love this story so much, and it's just I had to share it here. But that is the end of this Monday show, you guys. We will be back here on Wednesday for the next Idiot in the News. Don't miss out on that. Guys, these Idiots in the News episodes are so much fun to make. We hope you guys love them, too. Give them a listen. Enjoy. Just, just dig right into those. And then we'll be back on Friday for a wrap-up in the news week. But again, that is it for me, you guys. Share us around. Give us a share to your friends, your family, whoever. We do this every week, all the time. If you're new here, thanks for tuning in. Share us around, and we'll be back with you throughout the week. See you later, guys.